What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening into this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. Um, some bad news to start the show, obviously, with the very recent postponements of not just one summer movie, but two summer movies, Wonder Woman and uh, Black Widow, both postponed. We don't know when we're going to see. I don't think we know when we're going to see Black Widow, but we definitely we do have a date for when we'll see Wonder Woman, but both movies will not come out in May and June like we expected. So that's, of course, bad news. But we do have some other uh, interesting nuggets that came out this week regarding... Um, uh, some, some news in DC world about some movies that we may be seeing down the road and what we could expect from those movies when they uh, eventually come out. Which I'll be honest, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about what I'm hearing about uh, some of these movies. But again, you know, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. And uh, despite the the cancellation or not the cancellation, but the postponement of those uh, of Black Widow, another Marvel movie we got some new details on, at least some rumored details. About what we can expect from that film, so uh, I wanted to talk about that as well. So should be a great show. If you guys are here for the uh, episode recaps that we do every week, this week we'll be talking about the Flash. Um, there were two episodes uh, that happened, uh, or that we since the last time we spoke about the show. No episode this week, but um, but there were there were, we'll talk about the episode from last week and the week before that. Uh, I think it was the Exorcism of Nash Wells and the Death of the Speed Force. So pretty pretty. Uh, those episodes weren't fillers. Those were pretty um, substantial important. episodes. Yeah, they were important. So uh, so I think this is a good place definitely to uh, dive into The Flash. So that'll be at the end of the show. But uh, let me get to my host. We can get this thing started. My co-host, rather. So get this thing started. So join me. Uh, first is Shamari Stewart. Now, Shamari, I couldn't help but also mention, I know you, got, you want to talk about something as well, but I couldn't help but mention that I was reading through my preparation for this show, and I couldn't help but laugh at one of the headlines I saw that said, and shout out to ComboBoogie.com, because this is their headline. Uh, it was, says, New Mutants director Josh Boone says, quote, you can only go up, quote, end quote, after X-Men Dark Phoenix. Yes, he said that. <laughs> Which rough. people are starting to see Dark Phoenix now, because it's out on HBO Go. So now people are starting to catch up to Dark Phoenix, which has been funny. That's and we have all these MCU, uh, yes, yeah, it's not Shamar. Uh, <laughs> and we have Thanks, all Kevin. these uh, MCU uh, debates and rankings coming out because now everybody has a chance to marathon the MCU movies. But uh, it's been some interesting Twitter conversations. Yeah, yeah, a lot of interesting conversations. What do you think about? Um, there's Boom? a lot of there's a lot of movies we gotta watch. There's honestly, a lot of movies we gotta watch. talk about. But what do you think about Boom? Um, His full quote was, uh, "That's not to say anything bad about the people involved, but it was what okay, it was." All right. Honestly, I feel less pressure now than I did ahead of the first slated release date because we tested our movie so many times and the audiences have loved it. I mean, I mean, look, it is what it is. He's being very speaking very frankly. I don't think he should have said that to start with. I mean, he probably should not. He yeah, definitely he's got, should he's not. He's got to relax, man. He's got to relax. His movie hasn't come out in like you know. He made that movie five years ago and it still hasn't come out. Yeah, so he's got he's got to chillax, but. Um, but look, it is what it is. Dark Phoenix was what it was. You know, he's just speaking very frankly, and yep. um, you know, it, it just uh, you know the movie was what it was. Though I, I, my personal reaction is, why is he talking? I don't think he should be saying anything. He should just be promoting his movie. Um, uh, but yeah, I did want to bring something up on this uh, show. Uh, this is something I've been hearing about, and we'd all been hearing about for the past week or so, especially the past several days, especially. Um, you know, at first it was just kind of a thing that's like, oh, what if now people are saying, oh, it's 
to people rumoring to, to sites now saying, oh, there's a rumor that's going to happen. And I'm like, what? So apparently, uh, Apple, you yeah, know, yeah. Apple, Hollywood Report is even running it. Apple, you know, iPhone, the iPad, iPod, Tim Cook, Steve, Steve Jobs. Jobs, Silicon Valley, that <laughs> Apple is potentially interested in buying Disney. Um, so they, what financial analysts are saying. Yeah, all the financial analysts saying that they could do it if they wanted to. They have enough money. Money. Disney's they getting are screwed a bigger over. company. What? Disney's getting screwed over by the the coronavirus. Yeah, Disney's getting all messed up by the coronavirus. Apple stock is you know relatively doing relatively well. Yeah, and they they could absolutely buy Disney if sense. they really wanted to. Disney um, has all these movies and these parks and stuff that are you know, yeah that are. I mean, Apple seems to seems to want some kind of skin in the game on some level with this right, with this right. Apple. Yeah, they seem to want to get into the entertainment uh, industry. Seem to have some interest in entering that field on some level. So it seems to be something that they they may be interested in. Um, <laughs> this would be bad for society, man. Yeah, this would be uh, this would be kind of crazy. We talk about monopolies. You know, I have an iPhone. I might be like, look, maybe Google, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I would want to get rid of the iPhone, man. But like, you know, I mean, look, Apple's. But like, then they, what? They got enough money. They have enough. What if they tell you on your iPhone, you know, you get free Disney Plus, or you get, you know, <laughs> See, that's how that's what they all do. All these Disney stuff, you yeah, know, that's, and it's how, like, that's how they do. Well, it, I guess yeah. I need an iPhone now if I want to watch Disney <laughs> Plus, you know. So it's like that's how they get you. But this stuff it's is funny because they were dangerous. promoting, um, and I'm sure they'll promote. HBO Max too when that comes out. But they were promoting Disney Plus heavy. They were in the App Store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it, when it was first coming out, I'm yeah. just like, oh, okay, so Disney just or Apple just propping up Disney, saying get Disney Plus. I'm sure Disney probably paid a good amount. And for Bob Iger was but. on the board at Apple at one point, so he just left. Yeah, I'm sure they're all everyone keeps sure trying all to figure out what the deal is and why Bob left. And people are trying to look at maybe COVID nineteen as being the reason. Oh, you know me. But, that's the reason. Yeah, but, that's Kendall's one hundred percent conspiracy. But is there any now? I guess the whole idea is that Apple buying Disney would be a a, a result of our fallout from COVID nineteen. But is there any chance that maybe Bob had an idea that maybe Disney would be up for sale soon potentially, and he didn't want another a new boss or potentially not to have power? Like, I I feel like. That, I mean, the thing is, one, like, he seemed like he was on the way out anyway, like, in the in the yeah, short-term future, in the long-term future, so it wasn't like, you know, oh, man, I don't, want some, I don't want a boss for, like, another five years, the last five years of my career, you know, um, and I, this thing is just so, like, volatile that, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if he would have, like, had the foresight of, like, not only will we be screwed over, but then Apple's gonna be fine, and they're gonna be able to buy us, and like that—that that would have been him thinking like eight steps ahead, which would have been like, man, that's some scary stuff. I, why didn't you say anything? But <laughs> if you knew all this, but um, <laughs> you know, my theory is that like you know, he has employees in China, they've got parks in China, they've got businesses in China, they probably have offices in China. Uh, they, I think they've known for months, man, not months, but I think they've known probably since January at the latest that this was gonna get really bad. And then he resigned whenever he did in February, I believe it was. And that, or he stepped down, you know, repositioned himself, whatever you want to call it. In February, I think he realized, man, it's coming over here. And once that does, like, our stocks are going to get screwed. Because we're a movie company that won't be able to make movies. We're a a parks company that won't be able to to open parks. Can't even produce movies or television. Forget about the theaters. Yeah, you can't produce anything. Yeah, exactly. 
The world like, you can't, yeah, exactly. Right you can't now. make any moves. You know, you can't do anything. So they're just losing money every day. I think he. I don't know if he foresaw everything, but I think he just knew like this is gonna be. He's like, this is gonna be bad. This is gonna be a stain volatile. on my legacy. It's gonna be a volatile time. Yeah, this, is, this the block is hot. Volatile time. Yeah. We're gonna lose a yeah. lot of money. Yeah. The block is hot. The block's about to get too hot. It's time to time to time. So like, if you're if you're already about to leave, like you might as well leave before that happens. Yes. You know, before things the going gets tough. So, I mean, that's my leading theory, especially since nothing else has come out. Yeah. It just seems like the timing is too coincidental. Um. Yeah. Yeah, Apple buying Disney, that would be bad. You know. It would, I mean, yeah. Bad society. Yeah, it, you know. It's karma, though. For the people that were like, oh, yeah, Disney buying Fox? How great is this? You know, all people saying, oh, we got to relax. Monopolies aren't good. Now, when Apple buys Disney, I, you know, I'm going to people celebrating Fox getting bought. Now, Disney's about to get bought, and I'm like, this is, this is getting a little out of control. It's karma. Yeah, it's not, obviously, mm-hmm. it's not uh, ideal by any stretch of the imagination. Um, what I will say is for me, you know, obviously I do care about Disney as a whole and what that means for the company. Cause at the end of the day, it will affect tomorrow. But I think the question that I immediately go to is what, what would I expect from Apple as the owner of Marvel studios and everything Marvel and, and would I feel comfortable with that? And I don't know, honestly, I mean, I think that there's a lot of, we can never, we can't make the argument that Disney hasn't hasn't been creating throughout this whole time. Yes, they've acquired a lot of different assets over the last few years, but they've also done a great job of creating their own original content, even beyond uh, franchises that were already established. I think people who are inside kind of the tech world and have seen Apple pretty much post-Steve Steve Jobs, there's a lot to be said for their lack of innovation and their lack of originality, really, for a good, you can argue, a decade. But even if you want to stay beyond a decade, at least the last six or seven years, where they seem to be kind of a step behind everyone. And maybe this is them kind of somewhat taking a play out of Disney's book. But I guess my question would be, would they feel like Marvel will be their playground to want to create again? Because to be honest, I don't know how I feel too comfortable with what they've been creating over the past four or five years. And they're, 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 um, I think a lot of the Apple... The non-Apple loyalists, people who kind of just are just in the tech and just kind of look at the scene, I think that none of us really are all that happy with Apple. So just from where they are as a company and what they've been trying to do, they've been behind on the tech um, to Samsung. They've been behind on the streaming services when it comes to uh, they behind uh, in music when it comes to like Spotify and other services. They've been behind the game on everything. So uh, if they did acquire Disney and then in, in tow, you know Marvel as well. I kind of hope it would be uh, you guys do your thing. We'll kind of just sit out the way. I don't want them trying to, uh, to, 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 to come up with something because the stuff that they have come up with really hasn't been all that impressive. Mm. Yeah. Um, one other quick thing in terms of, uh, you know, this, this uh, coronavirus thing before we get into um, our, uh, before we get into our rundown. Uh, Kendall, by the way, for all the people that, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't introduce myself. But um, one other thing is that one fallout that we've had, uh, one uh, casualty has been comic book stores. And people yeah. think that these comic book stores may be out of uh, out of business. You know, seeing as good articles written in The Hollywood Reporter and some yeah, other places very, that think uh, I got an email they may from, not survive. Uh, 
I got an email from my local comic book store yeah, saying, yeah. saying they're willing to deliver and have pickup options. Wow. And I kind of I I want to do it, but I also because once all this started, I'm just like, well, I guess I'm going digital. I didn't blink. Yeah. And I was like, I guess I'm going digital. And, <laughs> you know, and what's, <laughs> what's scary is that you're gonna have to because now these publishers aren't sending out physical copies right to stores so these yeah. stores are like yeah for the for the interim are are screwed yeah we be for the long term but it's, it's the stuff we cover that you know this is uh this is one of the major fallouts and comic books as a medium will still go you know mm-hmm. the marvel will still be making comics and dc for the at least in the short term, we'll still be making comics, and right. there will still be third-party comics. I mean, we, made, say, but... we say that, we say that, Kendall, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm be honest, I, I don't know. I mean, so you me, you think five years from now there won't be comics being made? I, I, I think I think that I think the expectation that the movies would somehow help the comic book industry has not been has not been brought out to fruition. I would, I mean, uh, maybe I'm speaking. Um, without great context or with great evidence to suggest it, because this is obviously more of an impromptu conversation. But I mean, all we've heard is the last four, five, six, seven years about how comic book sales have been down, and that they that the comic industry as a whole has just struggled to get to that place that they were, you know, in like the eighties and the seventies. Like, it, like it's just it's just not that profitable. And I don't want to. Yeah. I, I I I and I think we kind of brushed this. Approached this a little bit when we were talking about Feige potentially, you know, kind of overseeing Marvel comics. Look, uh, to me, like, or, or no, this was with Marvel when when he got because right. technically his new job he does oversee Marvel comics right now. Um, yeah. To me, I always looked at the Marvel comics as kind of like the passion project that Marvel continues to, because of the tradition, because of the art form. To that's you know supplemented by the movies industry, like. The which is the piggy bank that the movies make allows them to do comic books still. I don't know if Marvel was just a comic book entity that they would be still around. I really don't because nothing. There's no evidence to suggest that that's, that would happen. That that the money it takes to produce, the money it takes to be on time, uh, and the sales that they've been generating, it, it just hasn't. And that's and, it, and it, you can tell because you see every three or four years both major. Uh, major companies are doing massive reboots. Like, you know, the reboots before used to be every 10 years or so. Now it's like every two or three years. They just, everything you just read, they just reboot the entire whole thing. Why? Because they know that those reboots eventually drive revenue. Because even though it's kind of like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like taking a, it's like cutting corners because in the end, it doesn't serve anything because you're not building anything. But for in the short term, you do get a little bit of a boost in in uh in new sales. And when it comes to all these comic book events that they would do, that was the first thing. It was just do an event every year, every year, massive event, and that's gonna change the landscape of the comic book uh, company, whether it be Marvel or DC. Yeah. And even that got stale. So then now again, what we're having with DC, which is absurd, which is like, again, like every three years is just a reboot every single time, and um, and that's that's just. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to just cut you off, Kendall, but I, I hope to God, because I'm someone who's who got back into comics a couple years ago after being a, a very avid reader for about probably four or five years uh, during the kind of Civil War 
uh, Dark Reign, uh, you know, that era of comic books was all my jam. Secret, Secret, Secret Invasion. Invasion, all that stuff was my jam, which is why I talk about it so often on the show. Um, and having recently got back with the start of Re- Rebirth for DC, like, I hope to God that that's not the case. I'm trying to do my part in keeping the art form going, but I don't know. I don't know. And this, mm-hmm. this what, what what's happening with COVID-19, these comic book shops and stuff, especially the mom and pop shops, man, they were hanging on by a thread. I don't know what happens if this is a yeah. three, two, three month, four month shutdown, which is seems at this I point mean, likely. Yeah. It doesn't even seem possible. It seems like that's if we didn't have a, a three month shutdown, that seems to be that seems like that would be like wow, we really skated, got lucky, a, yeah. A, yeah, a catastrophe. Which is this has already been a catastrophe, yeah. but make an even worse catastrophe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I'm not too worried about comic book. Well, comic books as a medium, I'm honestly not worried about it at all. I really think that people are going to want, like, the, if they were at some point to just be like, no more comics, I feel like that would be on, like, on the news. Not, like, on the national news, but it would be on the news. The outrage would be there. It would be on the news. But I think the not only would people be very upset, (laughs) but I think it would open up a, uh, it would open up a lane for outside people to just make their own comics. Yes. You know, I, I'd, I'd be looking for comics just because people just make comics online and just sell them. I'd be looking for them. Right. I'd be like, where's My the thing comics is, at? I think, again, I don't think physical comics could might survive this. There's a good chance physical comics could be done. Or they'll be like very much collector's items and things of that nature. But, I mean, I don't know. We were at Comic-Con, man. And probably the, mo- the biggest panel we might have been at in terms of crowd energy was X-Men... You know, with the X Men panel, yeah, X Men yeah, com- Marvel yeah, Comics panel, Dawn of X, yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, we did a YouTube video on it, and that was the biggest video that True. we got out of Comic Con, and one of the bigger videos we've had. I'm not, the last yeah, I'm not months. saying that there aren't fans there. We, you're talking, be, to it's going to be tough. Two, two of us here read comics regularly. Yeah, it's, there it's are be... there are fans. It's just, is there enough that that, that generates enough revenue? To keep this art form going, it's not, now, it's how, not that there the, are fans. The question, there are a lot of fans. But at like, a certain point, if, people just look at the bottom line, and then they're gonna yeah, again. If, Marvel if can had, afford this because they just they print money when it comes to making their movies. So yeah, yeah they lose on the yeah. on the comic books. Fine. Even Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. despite maybe issues they've had, still the money the movies print money, and Warner Brothers as a whole is such a massive company they can afford to if they lose a little bit on comics, that's okay. If you if they lose massively in the movie industry. And now they're looking at, okay, how do we, we cut costs? How do we, you know, kind of cut our losses? I don't know how the first thing is in comic books. I'm not trying to say that this well, is something that's going to happen tomorrow question, or next year. But I'm be, just saying eventually, if something like this happens again, I don't know how many more times comic book, the comic industry can survive obviously, what's happening none of us, today. Obviously, you know, none of us are uh, editors or anything. But I guess the question would have to be if you're looking at a, uh, if we had Joe Casado on the show, you know, we would mm-hmm. ask him. How much would it cost to make digital comics versus physical comics? How much would you save? You know, would you could you make money only doing digital comics? You know, I I think they could, but I don't know. I'm not an expert. But if if they feel like man, it would cost us still way too much money just to make digital comics, then yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I, I mean, it could maybe, end up being a picture. But I guess, yeah, I, guess I don't maybe, know if it's five years, maybe maybe it's ten. Who knows? But uh, you know, this thing is bad. Yeah. So. It's yeah, to really equate. <laughs> um, I think to, especially. Sorry, go ahead. Um, no, that's okay. Um, no, I was just gonna say, especially if this continues, and and if especially if it's as a result of this issue, I mean, 
you know, these people are going to be at home anyways, you know, uh, looking for entertainment, looking for things to do. And uh, they can't go to the movies. Yeah, no movies. And there and there's all these. And I do think I personally I do think the movie industry has kind of propped up comics. I mean, I'm I'm hearing things about people who would have would have not otherwise sniffed a comic book, talking about how they love Captain America and they love so and so. If they can't go to the movies, are they gonna go to the comics, the comics and the cartoons? Because that's what what they can do. And I don't know. I I, just, I think the industry is gonna be fine. I think it will the take stores. A hit. I do feel really the bad. stores. I feel very bad for you know. But I think yeah. the industry as a whole, I think be okay. Shout out, man! Shout out to these comic book stores. Um, a lot of these places, man, were a, a true source of refuge and power and enjoyment and happiness for a lot of people. And a lot of the people work at those places. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people work at places, and I'm talking about even the people who like who maybe sometimes felt socially outcast who went to comic book stores, who still go to comic book stores as that place of source of um, enjoyment and entertainment and feeling like being a part of something, you know? Um, I think, you know, we, you know, we all, I, I feel like as a group, we're kind of all very interesting because like while we love this kind of what people, other people would consider at a time nerd stuff, it's not really nerd stuff anymore because everybody loves Marvel and DC, but this quote-unquote nerd stuff a lot of times left you on the outside and left you outcast. Now, we all played sports to some degree. We liked sports to some degree. We, so there were other aspects of our life that were kind of more within the norm of, like, I guess, the rest of society. But for people who maybe, you know, comic books was their thing and they kind of didn't really relate to the other masses, so to speak, um, these places are important to people, man. So so I think it's, I just want important to make that message out there that I'm, I'm praying for these stores to, to, to pull through. Uh, I know it's going to be a very rough time. And I really I really hope that we don't have a day where uh, Marvel and DC decide that we're going to go straight digital from now on. But Shamari said, in this climate today, he said exactly what I was going to say. I mean, when I thought about this today, when I started reading some of the articles today about it, I was like, oh, I guess that means I'm going to have to start buying digital comics now. And and then I didn't really dawn on me until later. I was like, oh, man, well, that means that. Now, to be fair, I go to a major, major comic book shop in Midtown Comics. Shout out to them. So, I mean, they could probably survive this. But uh, but if I'm making that decision for me going to a big store, what about the ones, people that are going to smaller shops who are also going to make that decision? Those uh, shops can't survive this. So, that's going to be uh, very, very unfortunate. But um, let's continue on with the show, guys. So, let's start off with uh, what we want to talk about at the top. Two major movies postponed. The first one. This one came out uh, as of today. Wonder Woman 1984 officially postponed to April 14th. It was originally slated for a June release date, but that is now not going to happen. Also on the back burner now, Black Widow. That has also been postponed. We talked about it a lot uh, last week as, as a movie that was you know pretty much inevitable in terms of it being postponed. Now that is official. I don't believe we have a time yet on, on when that movie is going to come out, but it not it said nothing. Yeah, so it's just it's just postponed for the foreseeable future. I guess we'll end up seeing when that uh, when that happens. So those are, are obviously two massive releases within our industry in terms of what we're talking about with superhero movies, and it's kind of generated a a large discussion and a great debate, a debate that we partly had on the show last week. I think we're going to probably rehash a little bit of it today only because of some of the commentary we've had from not just fans but even the people involved uh 
a lot of fans are calling for both Disney and Warner Brothers to go ahead and release these um, release these films that are supposed to be you know major feature films on streaming services, whether it be Disney Plus, whether it be HBO Max, or something else. Um, the the idea that these movies are being delayed apparently is 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 not enough for the fans who are in, apparently impatient. I don't know what impatience were, but you know they they want to see it now. They think it'd be best if they just put them out. Uh, we went over our feelings on it. One person who absolutely says that that will not happen is uh, Patty Jenkins, who is the director of Wonder Brother, well, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. And she came out pretty forcefully saying that, you know, hey, look, this movie I made for the big screen, it's going to come out on the big screen. And Warner Brothers, after they were in talks that they kind of were considering it, then kind of backed Patty with that commentary that she put out there saying that, you know, right now, again, August is the release date that they're planning. But all that being said, there is this conversation, uh, Kendall. What do you think about not only these postponements, but what these companies plan on doing moving forward? Yeah. So I think it's very interesting. Um, I've been, you know, pretty much since this thing became, uh, pretty much since this thing became obviously a mainstream issue. I've been, I would say, I'm championing championing this uh, this movement, but I'm certainly a part of the movement of putting things on streaming services. Um, I think that is the way to go if you are any of these companies. Um, if you have a movie that you feel like needs to come out at a certain time, um, I think, of course, there was the report on the rap that Warner Brothers was thinking about this. Uh, uh, then Warner Brothers denied it, and then Patty Jenkins, you know, Patty Jenkins comes out with her stuff, and it's like, okay, clearly. And then now we today we have the official word to push back with a set release date. I think that is confirmation that they clearly don't want to do that. They clearly want this movie to come out in theaters. She said that. Uh, you don't give a release date. You don't give a release date if you know what you're. If you, if you know you're not going to put it in, in, in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Now the release date's in August. There's no guarantee that this is going to be. Everything is going to be clear in August. Um, there are certainly some figures that would like it to be done in August, by hook or by crook. <laughs> um, they wanted to be done in August. Some of them wanted it to be done in May, but that's a whole other conversation by hook or by crook. Uh, no matter what the virus says, they'll, they'll, they'll <laughs> open the theaters or what have you. Um, but at the end of the day, August seems like a very uh, optimistic timeline, if I'm being if I'm being frank. Uh, and, and not necessarily just for the world to be opened up, but more so for people that want to go to the movie that's, that's what i was thinking i think too. that's i think that's a little optimistic you know and as someone who would like wonder woman to do well i don't really care if warner brothers makes money or not but ideally if they make money then we get more movies get so more sure movies. yeah <laughs> so sure make all the money you want i don't think that it's a fiscally responsible move to release this movie in, in august um one you don't know if theaters will be open by then but even if you do know that theaters will be open by then you don't know how the public is going to react. And you don't want another Onward situation where Onward is released right before a major crisis outbroke in the country. So clearly, people are already a little on edge. People probably we shouldn't go. I mean, so, look, uh, I think it's interesting that 
Black Widow and Disney haven't come out with a release date. I think that could signal that they are having still having some internal conversations. I think if they knew where what they were doing, I think they would have a release date. Because um, why not? Black Widow's Black Widow's supposed to come out in April. Um, Wonder Woman's supposed to come out in June. Why Why did Wonder Woman push back three months, two months, and Black Widow? Like, when is that going to get pushed back? You know, going to get pushed back five, six months? Like, are they, they still haven't even said anything, even though this was delayed earlier in the week. So clearly, I think they're still deciphering. Disney has already made the move. They started with Rise of Skywalker, uh, putting that on Disney+. Plus. Well, really, it started with Frozen, pushing that up three months, two or three months, to push that, put it on Disney+. Plus. Then they put Rise of Skywalker very early on Disney+. Plus, and then they really made the move of putting Onward, taking it out of the theaters, which they, wasn't really their choice, but then uh, at, in the middle of its box office run, deciding not to delay it uh, and re-release it in uh, post this crisis, mm-hmm. but uh, just putting it straight to Disney Plus first on demand, and then in a couple of weeks Disney Plus. So, and that's a movie that cost them a well. Make. So it's not like they're just like whatever. Who cares? Animated movie like that was a fairly big budget movie to make. To say like we I think the studios have to realize that one, I think you have to recruit some level of income and in this in this pandemic. You have to if you're Disney, you're not getting anything from parks, you're not getting anything from you know, the box office. Yeah, you're getting some Disney Plus revenue, but and yes, it's gonna be a pain to not get when, to not make a billion something dollars on Black Widow, but nobody's making the money they were making during this whole thing. But to say you're not gonna you're not gonna release it and you're just gonna sit on nothing until on empty money until August or September and hope that people will go to see the movie. And look, I know there's a selection of people out there that are like, no, Black Widow should get its premiere, should get all the press, and it should yeah. get its theatrical release. I'm not buying it. That's baloney. No disrespect to Black Widow. I think all the people that worked on the movie, the directors, the the crew, the uh, cast, all did an excellent job. And I want to see the movie as much as anybody. But it's this isn't about a premiere, or this isn't about a theatrical release. This is about this is a movie that people want to see, and. This is a movie. This is a movie that would make a ton of money. Like, why wouldn't you want to see the movie? I don't think people are going to see the movie anymore when this thing ends than they would uh, on Disney Plus. Obviously, you were a piracy, but oh, no, I, I mean, disagree. But you know, I think piracy is a thing that's like, you know, I, I think people are going to pirate it anyway. <laughs> you know, if you release it in theaters, so. I don't know. Yes, you'll make less money, but then you don't. You have to. You'll cut out the middleman of the of the theaters and the theater chains. You get all the revenue. You, um, you now put yourself in a position where now, uh, you prop up Disney Plus. You probably increase Disney Plus subscriptions. Like I think there's a way you can still make a lot of money. And maybe there's even talk this could be the future of movie making, uh, post this this uh this pandemic as well. So I don't know. I think Disney should consider it. If I were Disney, that's what I would do. I'm sure they have all their options on the table and they're much smarter than I am at this kind of stuff, much more experienced. So they would know better than me, but 
that's my initial feel on this uh on this thing is that if you have a movie like that, put it out and put it out on the streaming service. Especially your Disney, you have your own streaming service right now. Put it on Disney Plus. Charge it twenty dollars. You'll make hundreds of millions. I think. I I, I disagree. At least uh, tens of millions. I I disagree. I think that um, to me, like putting it on the the platform has to be your last resort. I do find it interesting, Sham, that uh. According to Variety piece, a person inside Marvel Studios says that, quote, pushing Black Widow back affects nothing on the MCU timeline, which I find very interesting because I would have assumed, like, I, I just find this whole thing interesting, Sham, because I, for one, I would have assumed that if anyone was going to have a, a set time that they want to put their movie out, it would have been Disney because of the MCU timeline because they have a movie in Eternals that's set for next fall. So you, I would think that you want to have, okay, at this point in time, you want to definitely have Black Widow out by then. Um, whereas DC, because there really is no continuity that they're working towards, at least not with these current movies that they've been doing, you would think that they could put Wonder Woman 84 out whenever and they'd be fine. So, you know, I was surprised that, you know, of all people, they had the set release date and Marvel didn't, though. Maybe that could have been more of them kind of appealing maybe to their director who clearly wanted to make it clear that she did not want her movie put out on a streaming service. But I, 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 I disagree with Kendall completely. I think that there, there is... I think that you can't quantify how much money will be lost if they just put this out on a streaming service and not at least try to recoup some of those ticket sales that they were going to get from the theater. And I think Black Widow is a big enough movie to where you, you'll get a lot of it back. I'm not gonna see. You're not gonna get everything back, and there's gonna be a a, a big issue with um, people not wanting to go to movie theaters anymore. But I think you gotta kind of read the room, and I think you gotta think. Okay, is this kind of some BS movie that nobody cares about that maybe could do a big number, but like isn't a movie that's gonna be all that impactful, or is this a movie that does that 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 quantifies uh, or at least you know uh, qualifies as maybe a moment in movie making in, in our box office history, particularly when the superheroes. You're talking about Marvel with only its second uh, female-led movie um, with its first female superhero amongst all the Marvel characters. Um, you're talking about the Marvel rabid fan base. I, I think that this number, I think Kendall makes a good point about what the box office number, about it being affected by people not being all that ready to go back to movie theaters. If that thing makes, if that but, thing but, makes like but, 40 million, it ain't doing 40, it ain't doing, it ain't doing 40 million. I think Black Widow is a big enough kind of movie to where if they go back, do their normal campaign routine like they normally would, they'll probably lose 20 to 30 million off of it, but it ain't going to be... If this movie would have 100, saying, I think, it'll, I think it'll, it'll do 70 or 80. I think that it won't be nearly as bad as we make it. Of course, there's a lot of unknown we have to deal with, but I don't, I don't, I just think that putting it on a streaming service, just from a financial standpoint, to me, it just seems, it seems irresponsible unless you're being told something that I don't know. They're being told, yo, fam, we're going to be in this situation for the rest of 2020. Like, this is just not going to be something that goes away. If you're telling me that, and then you see, then you, you do all the maps, say, okay, based on that, that means that this is going to get messed up if we don't put it out, and this could get issued, and we might as well get this money now. If you're telling me that, then that's something I don't, that's information I don't know. But all of the, and it is interesting to note that China, for example, has open theaters now, and they still have COVID, but it's not. 
they don't have it. Apparently, they don't have as many new cases. I do think we should always point out whenever China says anything that they are an authoritarian country. So take it with the, everything they do with a grain of salt. But still, like, I, I just, I, I think that the idea that, you know, you, you, you're putting it on a streaming service and by, I mean, right now, you know, it's May. If, it's, if you do put it out in May, for example, uh, we probably still will be under strict guidelines in terms of crowding. But if you put it out on a streaming service in June or July, and maybe, okay, people can start to gather a little bit in some places. Now you got maybe five, six people going to someone's house to watch one Disney Plus subscription of Black Widow. I mean, you know how much money you would have lost based on what you were supposed to do with that money supposedly coming from a ticket sale from uh, five or six people going to a movie theater? Like, as, again, repeating Governor Cuomo's quote from last week, it's incalculable how much money you'd be losing by doing that. And that doesn't even go into the piracy issues. I, I don't think that... I think that, to me, the only way, Sham, I see them doing this is as they go the route of we have no other choice because this is something that's going to be stuck with us for a long time, and if we want to gain any money out of this, we're going to have to do something. But otherwise, I, I think that they have to try to wait this out. When it comes to uh, you know the whole digital versus uh, in-person debate, now personally, really, I mean, and ultimately all of this is going to depend on where this, how this virus progresses. Yeah. You know, we'll be able to have an, a whole other discussion in a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> maybe about, next week. <laughs> yeah, maybe next week. I mean, who knows? Yeah, within a couple weeks, I guess, you know, if the president's really going to open everything up by uh, Easter, you know, we'll, we'll be able to have another discussion. But, you know, um, you know, that's really kind of the crux of all this. I mean, I've been reading, you know, stories and things of people saying, you know, this whole, uh, you know, the virus is kind of spreading and it's going to eventually reach a, a tipping point where eventually the amount of people that can be infected will be infected and it'll start to decrease. Just the rate of people getting infected will start to decrease. Um, and at that point, you know, who, how many people are going to be willing to go to the movies? I mean, that's really um, the crux of the issue. Now, what, as for what Disney and, uh, Warner Brothers should do. I think Disney's taking the right approach right now, which seems to be a wait and see approach. You know, they didn't have a release date, as you said. Patty Jenkins seems to be very fervent, very fervently advocating for releasing it in theaters. And I love going to movies. I would love to see see both of these movies in the movie theaters. That's what I want to do. I hope to see both of these movies in the movie theaters. Um, but. You know, these they're going to lose money regardless. And I think it's really a matter of how much money they're going to lose. Right. You know, and which is why I say this goes back to how bad this virus is going to be and why I think Black and why I think Disney and Black Widow is having that discussion, because if it's really bad, you know, later on this year, August, September, whatever, um, then they may still make money, more money than if they had released it in theaters because no one's going to go, you know, if it's really bad. You know, because if they were release the movie now, no one's going to that movie. I'm not going to that movie. And I love Marvel. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. Normally, I'd be... I'll, I'd I'll be... wait for some guy to go to it. And I'll, That's and what I'm saying. I'm going to pirate it, but I'll find a way. <laughs> Legally, I'll we'll find, find a legal, a legal, way, legal way. Some other legal way. But <laughs> it's like, it's it's. but, you know, no one's going to see it. You know? So I think it's just that's really what this comes down to is how bad is this virus going to be? 
I think eventually, if it gets to that point, you know, as you said, EJ, it will get to that point where they'll be like, we gotta just release it, <laughs> you know, just to make something, because no one's going to the movies. Um, now, it'll be interesting, also be interesting to see, and I think China can kind of be a test for this, because apparently they've reopened some of their movie theaters already. Yeah. So we can kind of see how many people are going to the theaters and how it's affecting their population that people are going out to the movie theaters again. You know, is it infecting a whole lot more people? Like, what's happening? Um, but yeah, as for what they should do right now, I think they need to wait and see. I don't think they should jump and release it on digital. Um, yeah, I think they should wait and see if they can make that box office money. Or wait and see what happens to Wonder Woman. You know, because Wonder Woman, they seem to, they already have a date. Yeah. So I think that would be even wiser. You know, it's to wait and see what Wonder Woman does. Do they make a lot of money or do they crash? <laughs> you know, and depending on those results, they make their decision then. But, um, but yeah, I don't think they should jump and release it digitally immediately. I don't think that, I don't no. think that would be a wise decision. They I would make, they should, I don't know. I, you know. I think from a fan-based perspective, you know how much equity Marvel would win? If they release this thing digitally during this crisis, I mean, like the, the viewership for that movie would be an all-time. I don't. That'd be an all-time great digital. I buy. mean, if this, I, if this were like Endgame or something, I'd different. agree. Yeah, Kendall, but this is it's digital money is different than box office money, fam. And I think that that digital footprint. I mean, we haven't even seeing it with just how people are trying to make money off of streaming, and I'm still trying to even quantify how to do that like it's still very so so much a new medium and a lot of the people who try and do this are independent companies let alone people like marvel like i, I just i just think that that would be a colossal error i mean look in, it's time for of, disney to, to bust out the calculators like samari said because remember this movie, is, the movie is still, how much see how much that would hurt you the movie is still a month and a half away or you know a little less than a month right. and a half in a way so you, got, they got, so you got time so my thing is to release it preemptively, not knowing how this thing's gonna play out, I just think would be highly foolish. Yes, would you kind of break the internet and break kind of the talk? You know, the talk of the world would be about you know Disney making this bold move to put uh, you know a movie with the stature of you know Black Widow on a streaming service, and it would be historic. But I don't think that word amount and that clout, so to speak, is worth the money. The real capital the real physical bread that they will lose by doing that like it just it's not it's not going to be i don't know if those people are out there i think that i don't know if that money exists in in the money that money is gone apocalyptic the money i was say post apocalypse that's a strong word but like yeah it's not scared people too much yeah but in a post covid world like what what kind of money is even out there how many people have the financial stability to go see a movie how many people like are going to be like wanting from a from a you know a germaphobe standpoint to want to be around people. I mean, I don't know. These are all things no, nobody knows. But I just think I'm not. And look, if it, it's hate, you hate to say capitalize. Capitalize is a strong word. It's probably insensitive. But you you want to if you're Disney and you want to lessen the the blow initially. The good thing about Marvel is they have so many movies now coming down the pipe. Like I'm not saying. Like release Eternals or release, you know, whatever other movie they have coming out on Disney Plus. That's the future, maybe not. But in this interim, they would make a lot of money on Black Widow now. Yes, you're maybe forfeiting some of your 
some of what would have been the outcome had this thing not uh, played out. But what you don't want is a tanked box office because you miss you misguided or you mismeasured, miscalculated, I should say, the the effects of COVID nineteen. I think we're gonna see the strength of Marvel. I think that if they if they go through with a theatrical release, we are really about to see the strength of Marvel. I think that you are underestimating the strength of Marvel and its brand. I think that the fever to want to get Marvel content, especially after having no entertainment for all that time, I think will will mitigate some some of the concerns. There are you make really good points about lack of funding for people individually people being scared to be in movie theaters. That's real. But I just think that the people that want to see Black Widow, they won't worry as much about that as they will those other things. I just think that something like that that has a, a core fan base, like, I don't know how to describe it. I just feel like people are going to go see it. Like, I'm trying to think of another example. I can't really think of one. But... Uh, to me, like I think, I think James Bond. Like if James Bond, I wouldn't say the same thing. I would say that I think James Bond's gonna get hurt massively by this if they did decide to come out. You know, obviously, you know that's movie's been put out for much longer. But I don't know if James Bond has a large enough core audience to fight through whatever fears or whatever real life issues in terms of people not having money that's gonna come out in the post COVID world. Like it's a smaller franchise than Marvel, clearly. So. Like it has a fan base, but it's not large enough to where they're like, "Yo, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna let fear stop me from going to see this movie. I'm not gonna let maybe me not me my tight my pockets being tight get me from seeing this movie." Like I don't think their fan base is just that dedicated to it. I'm not dissing James Bond at all. It's one of the most iconic movie franchises we have, but there's a certain there's levels to this, man. <laughs> as as you know, rappers and everyone has said throughout the course of history, and I think Marvel's on a different level, and we're gonna have to see. How that ends up playing out uh, when when that day comes, if that day comes, that they decide to go forward with a theatrical release. I do want to move on though now and talk about uh, a DC, another DC movie that uh, outside of Wonder Woman that that is already starting to get me intrigued. I gotta be honest because I know you guys have I've talked a lot about how I'm very skeptical of Black Adam. I'm very skeptical of a movie centered around. Someone who's clearly a villain and how that would work, though Joker certainly, and Joker I had no issues with. But after seeing the little bit I started seeing, I did have issues in the beginning. But um, but I've had concerns about how Black Adam is going to work. But according to one person who has seen the script, we have a lot to be excited about. So Thomas Polito from Geeks Worldwide, shout out to them. He put out a tweet say saying that he had uh, seen part of the screenplay for Black Adam and he called it a quote DC fans Wonderland. He also added that he went on uh, that he would hope the movie would not get delayed, and that uh, regardless of if that happens because of the issues with COVID nineteen, that it will be well worth the wait. He also at the end added a Doctor Fate GIF. So positive words coming out of a person who has read a little bit of what we could be seeing from Black Adam. Sham, what is your thoughts on this? Um. So I take this with a huge, humongous grain of salt. Um, I mean, I feel like someone could have read the Justice League script and said, this is a DC fan's wonderland. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, they got a bunch of DC superheroes. You got a lot of crazy stuff going on. You got a big bad villains. You got, you got, you know, uh, uh, 
Themyscarans. You got, you know, flashback with Green Lantern. I mean, you got all this crazy stuff going on. It's like, wow. But the movie as a whole did not uh, live up to those expectations. So, and this is one person. And, you know, the script isn't the same as the, as the, uh, you know, the final, you know, finished production piece. I mean, uh, shout out to uh, uh, John Campia. He said himself that he, he, either he himself or he know, had known people who has read scripts that were fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, but the movie was trash, yeah. and vice versa. The script was like, eh. The movie turned out and ended up being wow, you know. But I mean, it's it's really about what the finished product is. With that being said, this is a good sign, and it, it sounds like it it is based on everything that we've been hearing. That there's going to be Hawkman, Hawkgirl, Doctor Fate. All these other, uh, you know, people that lends a lot of credence to, um, you know, what this guy is saying is that The Rock is uh, the main character in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of faith in his ability and how he's going to portray Black Adam, um, even though we did. we, we And we've had discussions and we will continue to have discussions about the fact that Black Adam, uh, you know, is Nothing a... Like <laughs> Nothing like rock, and he has—he literally is a leader of a nation in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, and it's like you know, The Rock needs to portray that character uh, in a way that's true to the comics. However, I still love seeing The Rock, <laughs> and this is definitely going to test his acting chops. And I'm still very excited to see him play Black Adam. It's funny. I'm a I'm gonna shout out the Joe Budden podcast for making this analogy, Kendall. But I was listening to their podcast, one of their recent podcasts yesterday, and this discussion about scripts that Shamari brought up was very interesting. They talk about Campia, shout out to John Campia, saying that he knows people who have read scripts and in the movie end up being trash, even though the scripts were good. How much do you think script making quantifies how good or bad a movie is? Like, what's the percentage? I, I shout out to Joe Budden Podcast because they asked the question of how much does rapping qualify in regards to how good a rap album is like like this just the script alone like what is that is it 50 percent? is it 10 percent? is it 80 percent? like like is there a number there that that's uh I, I would say just script screenplay like you know 60 70 it's gotta 10, be a good amount of percent yeah i would say uh, <laughs> What would you say? Safe. I would say 60. 60? Maybe, you, maybe you, 70. You you say something like that too, Shmari? 60, 70? And maybe 20 cast, 20 rest of the crew. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe 50 to 60. I'd say 50 to 60. Um, You know, but a lot of it is a director's vision, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, as we've seen, a lot of, you know, these directors have particular styles. Zack Snyder and many others, J.J. Abrams, have their particular styles. So a lot of it is their vision in in uh, what it's supposed to look like. And, um, I mean, I, uh, I mean, one thing that kind of makes me think about this is one of the audiobooks that I had listened to recently actually had a full ensemble cast, um, uh, one of the Star Wars audiobooks. And, um, you know, without that cast, I think the cast elevated the 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 story of that book tremendously. They all did a fantastic job um, with their voice acting. But I mean, it just it it adds a, it adds a lot. It means a lot 
the whole rest of the, the production value, the uh, the the visionary direction. It just it means a whole lot. So I think the script is probably about fifty to sixty percent. I guess my question is: Is there could you have a bad script and have a good movie, or a mediocre script? Let's say. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we've seen I mean, quite enjoyable. Like, there's a difference between like it, it yeah, because that's why. Yeah, I, I mean, I was gonna say like. <laughs> yeah, an enjoyable yeah, movie, like 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 because yeah, that's because I, I don't know if I would go sixty percent then. Just like on that show, they said you know, rapping maybe. How can you put rapping very high if you can have someone who's not a great rapper make very enjoyable albums, like. Easy, something like that. You know? Well, like, it's, it's, it's like it's like I, I I do question that because I'm trying to think of like movies that I love and like if I just read the script, what I think these movies are as amazing as the script reads. Some yeah, like you know Endgame and Civil War, like yeah, I could have read that script and be like, yo, this is nuts. But like, is the Iron Man script gonna like just completely like wow me? Like I don't know if like how much the script. That, like, like it just means you're reading the script. Like that was what made well, it so great. Well, it's not you know necessarily about the excitement of reading the script and visualizing things because some of these things are hard to visualize. But I guess I when you when you uh, when you kind of reverse engineer it and you look at the finished product and you look at all right, what's the core basis of this? I guess that kind of goes to what Shamar was saying about the director's vision, because that, that, the director is the one that kind of puts that vision or puts that into reality, mm-hmm. but um, I guess when you reverse engineer, do you think, alright, why is Iron Man a good movie? Obviously, Cat, and Iron Man is a special situation because Robert Downey is such a good actor. And that's what I was going to say. Like, I, like, that, that's, wearing, a, like, that's a perfect kills. example of like, yeah. you know, like the director's vision plus Downey like, elevates a right. script that wasn't and, bad, and, but just, I, I don't know if I just read that script. I say, "Oh, this is amazing!" Like, if that would have been a different actor playing right. Iron Man, like they're outliers. It might have been very different. There are special situations, but I think for the most part, like when you look at a movie and you say, "All right, well," like and again, we're talking about enjoyable movies versus like great movies. If we're talking great movies. It's it's one. It's hard to find a movie that's great where you're like, the script is is kind of meh, but this was great, right? Or you know, even the story was kind of meh, but this was great. I mean, there are some, there are outliers, but um, a lot of times when you look at a great movie and you're like, yes, the story was. It, it may not be the best thing about the movie, but it's that seventy percent of percent of it or that sixty percent of it that's like, yeah, this, the story was good. Mm-hmm. And I guess my thing is that you know when you look at it from the script first. Before you see the movie, it's like me and Shamari with Star Wars. We 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 didn't read the whole thing, but a lot of people read Colin Trevorrow's script for Episode Nine. Yeah, and there's some interesting stuff in there. A lot of people loved it. You know, I tempered my expectations a little bit about it because it was like I, I don't know how this would look. You know, it all sounds great. Yeah, in theory, it sounds interesting. The concept art looks good, but like yeah. I don't know what this would end up being. Yeah, so. And, you know, episode, I was like, and I said on our show, like, episode nine, like, if you're sure if you read the script, it probably, there is some goofy stuff in it, but there's probably stuff where you're like, oh, this is actually could be pretty decent. Maybe I'm giving it a little much credit, a little too much credit, but, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to quantify, but I, I, I do think 
these things are easier to say after you see the movie, which I guess goes to our main, which goes to this story. Yeah, exactly. you hear you you hear this person read the script and it's like this is gonna be great. It's a DC and. To be fair, I don't. Did the guy say it was going to be a great movie? He may not have made that leap, but even him saying it's a DC fans fanboy's dream, like, sure, but that could I wouldn't say it could be good and bad, but like, but but it could be good and bad, you know, because if it's too much, if it doesn't fit, if the movie director makes some cuts and it's like, all right, some of this wasn't in the movie or this didn't work, and now you you start to the finished product ends up becoming a little messy because you're, you're trying to juggle all these characters that they're trying to add. And I don't know. I think that's where you look at this and you're like, it's still a wait and see approach. Um, Just to, to quickly add on to what Mr. Polito had spoke about earlier today, he added that the tone is right down the middle between Shazam and Batman v Superman slash Man of Steel. Light, slight, slight. Light, uh, light humor with some dark elements, it works well, was what he says from seeing this. So he says it's not necessarily Shazam, it's not necessarily BBS, the Zack Snyder stuff. It's like right between there, which does, in terms of tone, feel like probably the right place for a Black Adam movie. I can make the case that Black Adam should be just about as dark maybe as like a Batman v Superman, but it probably didn't have to be. I think it definitely shouldn't be Shazam. You have a character like The Rock, though, you kind of have some comedic uh, levity to it. I don't know. It's all it's all an interesting discussion. I mean, I, I came in very excited when I heard this, but with the way you should, guys... Should Venom have been... I guess I was going to say, should I mean, Venom... Who would have thought? I would say Venom's a comedy. Yeah, Venom... Maybe not, maybe not intentionally. Yeah, Venom, but, Venom is a comedy. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like, know if it's intentional. And, 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 like, it, but, so, yeah, I mean, you hope that Black Adam isn't Venom, but you kind of, like... I mean, if Black Adam's a fun movie, uh, like, maybe that's what they're going for. Like, all right, it's not super serious, but it's kind of serious, but there's some jokes and stuff. And I guess Venom's another character similar to Black Adam where he's like, I don't look at Venom and say he should be a comedic character, but it actually ended up working out, you know, better for Sony in that regard, that they didn't try to keep it too serious. It would have been awful. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on, you know, I I, said, I, I was very excited when I saw uh, Polito's commentary, but I think you guys have really put it in great perspective to the point where now I'm kind of tempering my expectations, maybe. Uh, because I first heard this, I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. But you guys make good points about reading a script and how that relates to what the finished product will be and how that will make sense. Um, in terms of the humor, again, I don't, I'm not going to, it shouldn't be super, super, super dark when anything in the rocks involved. Um, I hope that it is very serious and has the dark elements, but I think they, there has to be a way that they can infuse some humor in it. I think almost all of these superhero movies have to have some level of humor to some degree. There are even funny moments in The Dark Knight, which is supposed to be a super dark movie. I mean, if you watch Dark Knight, there are a lot of very funny moments in the movie. So, like, um, there's ways to insert kind of dark humor that work. And I'm sure uh, DC can handle that with Black Adam. I mean, excuse me, Black, uh, yeah, Black Adam. And quite frankly, there's no reason for me to, to, to deny them or to question them at this point in time. Uh, they've, they're on a pretty substantial winning streak when it comes to critically acclaimed movies. Birds of Prey, Joker, um, 
Shazam, Aquaman, Wonder Woman. Like, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. What's interesting about this, I think the reason why this excited me was because of all the movies, this one, it sounds like this is going to be the one that's going to be most superhero-esque in regards to, like, really, like, tapping into a lot of the DC universe, which is why that excites me. And when I see the gif of Dr. Fate, like, that excites me because I feel like DC rightfully so decided we need to slow things down and kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of dumb things down for our sake just to tell better stories as opposed to, like, trying to tie a million things in together. Now that they've kind of been able to do that, I'm almost okay with them saying, okay, now with this next movie, let's try to see if we can, uh, you know, put some more elements in there. It's like taking the training, training wheels off of your tricycle after you've, you know, after you feel like you got the handle of it. And I'm willing to see, okay, can they do this now? Well, the training rules, you guys, with what we saw from BVS and Justice League, you guys clearly could not handle uh, trying to create a universe and tagging in five, six different, you know, Marvel, uh, DC characters, and you can put Suicide Squad in there as well. You guys clearly couldn't handle that. You guys slowed it down, started putting together stories that were much more contained, and you guys have done a great job with that so far. Now let's see you take that next step. And if we can do that, that will kind of um, alleviate some of the concern I had with uh, Birds of Prey, which, to be fair, also did have uh, more characters, but still contained within, like, the Gotham universe. Um, that will give me more confidence that you can, these movies can be just not just a one-off, that there is something to be done after these movies, because that's been one of my biggest criticisms of DC so far is that all these movies have been great, but it just feels like, all right, that was done. What happens next? And we don't really know what that answer is because they're not really directed in any way. Um, speaking of DC, uh, the Aquaman, uh, an Aquaman screenwriter, David Leslie Johnson McColdrick, a very long name. <laughs> uh, shout out to him, though. He's a screenwriter for the first Aquaman. They're in the makings of putting together the details and the movie for the second uh, screenplay for the second Aquaman. And he gave us a little bit of details of what can we, we can expect in that movie. He noted that uh, right now they're getting a lot of inspiration from Silver Age Black Manta stories. And he also mentioned that uh, he's working on The Trench as well. And he said that movie right now is expected to take place uh, between Aquaman 1 and 2. But obviously that a lot is very flexible considering the time that we're in. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's what we have in terms of the Aquaman stuff. We knew that, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, his Black, uh, Adam, excuse me, Black Manta would be a, a, a probably a, a big presence in the next movie, considering they did introduce him and give him, gave him a decent amount of screen time in the first movie. Uh, Kendall, what do you think of the idea of, of them looking at, uh, Silver Age stories, Featuring Black Adam, excuse me, Black Manta. I'm gonna keep doing that for this whole segment uh, <laughs> as uh, inspiration so far for what they're trying to put together. Yeah, um, it definitely makes sense that they're going with the Black uh, Manta storyline and uh, pushing that. That seemed to be what they were teasing in the, in the first one. Um, obviously, Yaya is a younger actor, so they're not gonna do anything with Calder. As right now, at least, at least not with him being Black Manta's son. You know, it's a little too early for that. But if you're going to tell, <laughs> tell other Black Manta storylines that, you know, make sense with Aquaman, I'm sure there are plenty out there. You know, I'm sure, you know, you could put on Aquaman 
you know, the Black Panther stories. Yeah. Um, but no, nah, I think there's a. Uh, I, I I mean, I mean, obviously we're all excited for Aquaman too. Um, uh, there's also going to be uh, the. I think the thing that's also going to be interesting because they talk about the trends be taking place in between Aquaman one and two. We also have the new, uh, you know, HBO Max cartoon for Aquaman that's going to be coming out. It's also I think, being produced by James Wan and that's going to be uh, taking place also in that time period. So it'd be interesting to see if those, how those things kind of overlap and kind of bridge the gap to Aquaman 2. Uh, and it'll also be interesting because look, Marvel hasn't really had that much supplementary, uh, supplementary content along with the MCU. They're starting to add some now with the DC uh, Disney Plus shows, but uh, the DCU hasn't had any. So now them doing with HBO Max, doing this cartoon, adding the trench. I mean, the trench is a theatrical release as of now, but like that's them trying to st- starting to add that level of universe and adding different layers to it and different mediums, different platforms. So that 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 sounds going to be an interesting deal, um, and I, I think we should all be excited for that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, look, I mean, I, I don't know. Is the trench is that still like? I mean, is, I mean, do we think is that going to happen? Like, is that something that's? <laughs> I mean, if he's I mean, still he, talking he about answered it, answered a question about it and told us what they expect, where they expect it to sit amongst. If uh, you would asked me last week, <laughs> if the trench was happening, I would have no clue, man. I doubt it. But they answered the question. I'm gonna be Kendall on this show. I don't know if that choice is like not gonna happen. I'm playing. Ken, I'm playing Kendall on this show. Mark the date. And I, I love Aquaman. Okay, Aquaman is one of my. Yeah, all of us. Yeah, yeah, Aquaman is one of my favorite movies. Um, but I don't know if the trench is happening. But um, up there, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, when it comes to um, Aquaman two. I mean, I for me, I am um, I'm mostly interested in seeing um, you know where they go with the whole Black Manta storyline, and um, uh, and it's also interesting because like where did I don't know I think I think Black Manta is the only kind of thread that was kind of left un you know was kind of left at the end of the first movie yeah. Um, and to uh, other Aquaman villains, I mean, are we, are we, could we possibly see an Aqua Lad? Um, I mean, are we we're supposed to be getting Calder and uh, Young, not Young Justice, of course, we're seeing Young Justice and uh, Teen Titans? Teen Titans, yeah, it's the rumor, so mm. um, so with that opportunity for showing up in the movies, no. Yeah, that's the should be a possibility. I mean, he's really Atlantis now. Um, so we know that that is what? Yeah, not a rookie Aquaman. He's not rookie, not rookie Aquaman. Um, I think there's a decent chance he'll show up in Flashpoint whenever that happens. Because um, that was postponed, which that was also news. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm very curious. For now, but. Um, uh, the who the villain's gonna be, what direction the story's gonna go, and um, yeah, that's kind of my main curiosity right now. 
Yeah, I mean, what's interesting to me is when you, they make the case, or the right screenwriter makes the case that they're looking into Silver Age Black Manta stories. What's fascinating is there really is no. They really didn't have any like backstory or bio to Black Manta in the Silver Age. Silver Age kind of between nineteen sixty five to like nineteen seventy nine or seventy somewhere in the time in the late seventies. Um, a lot of that stuff they consider before Crisis on Infinite Earths definitely would be considered Silver Age. And Black Manta kind of was just like an evil guy. Like they didn't really do much with him in terms of like his backstory. So we while we got a lot of some of his backstory in the last movie. I'm wondering, by looking at his Silver Age stories, how much depth and how much uh, stuff you really can get out of those Aquaman stories. Now, Black Manta's always kind of been a badass, even in the 70s and 60s. So perhaps maybe, while not necessarily looking for a backstory behind him or some kind of long story of influence, maybe just kind of the person they want Yada to portray, perhaps that's kind of what they're looking at in regards to what we can expect from Black Manta. But I do find that as an interesting note when they say that they're looking at um, Silver Age stories when those stories don't really include any Black Manta origins. So that's uh, that's definitely interesting. But I do th- like that they are very much committed to Black Manta as a main villain. That's the way, that's the way it sounds. I know that we enjoyed his insertion into the last movie i think that a lot of times it's very hard to pull off what i think what aquaman successfully pulled off which is having a main villain in ocean master and then having kind of a secondary villain that you have big plans for in the future and not making them feel like they're kind of like a side character or feel like they're kind of like insignificant in any way like i think we all let that movie feel like okay like i'm willing to see like what black manta has to offer in his second go around with aquaman and the fact that they were able to pull it off is, is, is not very easy. A lot of times that those characters have such time, as we say in wrestling, getting over with the crowd, but Black Manta, I think, certainly did. I'm willing to see now how they can transition him into being the main villain. I think we all are very... Uh, we think very highly of Yala's acting ability. So it's not really him. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more of just how Juan and... Um, and uh, and David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick, how they're able to make him a compelling villain other than being the guy, who, oh, you were linked to my father's death. Like, that's kind of very surface level. And, uh, you know, Black Manta... Another he, uh, Harry Osborne story? Yeah. I don't know yeah, that. and, like, Black Manta <laughs> is, like, Seen that super, twice he's super strategic. Yep. He's super, like... Like, he has a very interesting outlook on the world and i would hope that they really get into that a little bit more than perhaps maybe a lot of those silver age stories did so when i heard this and when i did some research i kind of was like okay i mean a lot of these people who are writing aquaman who are reading aquaman they grew up on that era of aquaman so it's, it's not like there's bad stories there but i feel like dc comics definitely in the new millennium have done a lot more to kind of give more kind of you know ethos and mythos to black manta and he's kind of grown since then and i'm hoping that they don't kind of stunt his growth by just looking at one time period but i'm excited that they are committed to black manta 
as the main villain. That to me is very good news. Cause I think that they they did enough to, to make him credible as a main villain in the next movie. Last story today. Uh, this one, if we were doing Kendall's unverified, would probably be a great thing for an unverified segment. But um, this is not an official unverified. But you can take it as such. So uh, someone on Reddit who is claimed to be you know, a leaker who knows the details about Captain Marvel 2 put out some story notes that we can expect to see from this movie. It apparently will be what he considered a cosmic horror. He says that the movie will take a lot of influence from Aliens and 2001 Space Odyssey. It will apparently include Carol serving as an agent of S.W.O.R.D. Um, fighting uh, the Brood, who basically infect S.W.O.R.D. and forces her to um, to form what we know in the uh, in the current Marvel Universe as the A-Force, which is the uh, basically female Avengers. It would include, this version would include Thor being, uh, you know, um, Natalie, uh, Natalie Portman. Jane Foster. Yes, Jane Foster. Valkyrie, Scarlet Witch, She-Hulk, who was yet to be cast, but we know that show's happening. And Spider-Woman, who I think was probably the most interesting uh, addition of all those characters. So, I give this one to Sham. What do you think of this story that's being laid out for Captain Marvel 2? (laughs) Um, I don't, I mean, when it comes to horror, I don't know. First movie, most of the, I'd say of all the more recent Marvel movies, it probably has gotten the, the, the least amount of praise. It's polarizing. It's divisive. Um, but. Throw the Dark World? No, Captain Marvel. Oh, Captain Marvel. Sorry, I didn't hear, I didn't hear you. You broke up a little bit. Okay. Um. But yeah, yeah. So uh, with that being said, I don't know if horror is the right route for this movie. Uh, with that being said, the A Force idea I think is interesting. I think that could work. I think it's. I think I would. That's something that I would want to see personally. I think that'd be really cool. Because uh, I mean, there's so many great female heroes in the Marvel universe, and they add and subtract. I mean. <laughs> There's so many different female people that have interacted interact with Avengers, been part of the Avengers already, um, as we saw with that one scene in um, Endgame. Yeah. So I mean, this is that's something that could, um, I think that would draw a lot of people to the theaters, like a lot of people. Um, you know, I mean, you'll have your people that are you know anti that for whatever you know for whatever strange reason against any kind of you know female. Uh, strength being portrayed, but um, you know, I think that I think that would make a lot of money, and I I would be very interested in seeing that. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think it's possible. I, my, my if this is real, which I think it's possible, I think the leak is at very at most, or at least I think it's being exaggerated in terms of. It being a horror, because I just don't That's think I just don't think the two things match. Like I think it could have some horror elements. The villain should have could have some horror elements to him, but like I don't think we're gonna like like Thor: The Dark World, for example. Like you mentioned, had like I guess some horrorish kind of darkish kind of themes, 
but like it's not a horror movie, you know. Like, yeah, you know, uh, Thor, Thor Ragnarok had Surtur as a villain. Like, it wasn't like he was like he was. It wasn't a horror movie, but he also wasn't like the most happy-go-lucky villain, you know. Like, same for Mamu, you know, in Dark mm-hmm. and Doctor Strange. So, I guess that's my thing, where it's like, you know, okay, yeah. I, I think that could be the exaggeration where, like, yeah, maybe the villain is a little... Yeah, maybe on paper they seem horror. But... Right, they seem horror, <laughs> you know, but you're like, when the movie comes out, like, I don't think, you know, the, the all the scenes are going to be, you know, the middle of the night. Know, but like, I don't know, but, but when you think about the brood, I mean, to me, they would... If you're going to give me a cosmic horror, they would definitely meet the bill when it comes to Marvel villains. I mean, they're terrifying. Right. I just similar to the trench or something. Right, right, exactly. I mean I mean any any brew story I mean, that you've ever watched, I mean they they're aliens and they kind of they're they're parasitic and they Well I guess and that's take the thing. I, I mean I think it's less I, about the the villain. Because when I think horror a lot of times people also associate horror with the style of filmmaking. I just don't think that they would make a Captain Marvel movie with the A Force. And have it be like a new mutants, vibe. yeah, like a new mutants vibe. That's where I'm like, I think this is an exaggeration. Like, there may be some scary villains, some scary animals, but like, <laughs> I I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be told like get out alien, right? Yeah, or alien, you know. So I guess that's my thing where it's like I think it's an exaggeration. Now, EJ, I want to ask you because I think that A Force thing is a little cat. This is why I asked. Okay. What is the run through that list of 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 members again? I'll run through the list one more time. So you have Thor. Okay. Jane Foster Thor. Valkyrie. Scarlet Witch. She Hulk. Spider Woman. And Spider Woman. That's your list. That's your team. Not impossible. But I just don't think that would be the list. That is just me personally. Why? I'm thinking about. Um, look, I mean, you got Valkyrie on there, but I just, I don't think that there are enough minorities on the list. I think no, no one from Black Panther. Who's to say Spider-Woman or She-Hulk won't be a minority? We already know She-Hulk. That's protection. It's an open ethnicity casting right now. That's true. That's true. I just, no, no Black Panther character. No Miss Marvel. I don't know. Again, you're right. Maybe but, those two. Uh, the reason are why the A Force thing, uh, the reason why the A Force thing for me, I, I guess. And I'm not saying the whole idea isn't going to be, uh, u- utilized. I just don't think that would be the team if it was. I mean, the reason why the A Force thing was interesting to me and why I didn't immediately dismiss it is because we talked about how the Captain America movies two and three kind of served as was well, basically three really served as like a, another Avengers movie. And how Captain America and Iron Man 2 kind of served as like a mini Avengers movie. And it's how it seemed like Marvel, when they didn't have Avengers movies, found ways to kind of insert Avenger characters to kind of fill the blanks. Um, you know, Thor Ragnarok, including Hulk, kind of filled a little bit of a blank there. Like, we're going to have way more movies include other heroes with now that Iron Man and Captain America are gone. And the, the, the suspects, the... the, the the clear suspects to me for movies to do that would be Captain Marvel and Black Panther. Because those are 
you know, in terms of just Marvel solo movies, those are the two biggest franchises that they have at the moment. So those are your your so those are your biggest money makers. So therefore, those are the ones that make most sense to have like Avenger level events happening around them. So when I heard A Force, I was like, okay, that I could see that because we knew how much uh, Brie Larson enjoyed the uh, that big scene in and uh, End Game with all those female characters together, and how really all the female characters kind of uh, female actors rather came out saying. You know, this is something that we want to do. Like, this is something that, you know, would be great to see in the future. I mean, they're saying that because they know that those conversations have been had. So, what better movie to do A-Force with than uh, Captain Marvel? To me, it makes all the sense in the world that that's the movie you're going to do with. Now, will it be controversial? Yes. Will it upset some people? Yes. Uh, But I don't think Marvel really gives a damn about that, quite frankly. And they shouldn't. And I think it would be a great move if they went that route. So, you know, Captain Marvel 2 is already going to be kind of a pressure cooker in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, controversy and yeah. division. So, like, why not? Why not push it more? You know, like, you know, I mean, you have nothing to lose at that point. If, if you're trying to if you play it safe, you're already going to have people say, I'm not going to see the movie, blah, 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 blah. So why not, like, you know, really push like the the, the female, uh, you know, Focus. I think that 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 is something that you know makes sense for that movie. I look. I just think I don't know if they do that movie without some of the characters I mentioned. Um, but do you think Captain Marvel is going to show up? You have a Black Panther movie coming out, so I don't know why you would need Black Panther characters when you expect those other characters to have big roles in the movie that they're going to be in. Like those are the, I don't know. Like all the characters we, I named besides Thor, none of them would have their own movie. Valkyrie, She Hulk, Scarlet Witch. I mean, Valkyrie's going to be in Thor, right? But they're not going to have their own movie. Is my point. Well, I mean, Shuri's not going to have her own movie. I don't think. I mean, okay. <laughs> but, but like, I don't know. I just think Miss Marvel not being Captain Marvel two. Then you got what you call it. We're talking Spider Woman. Well, I think Miss Marvel in a, in a be, Sony movie. I mean, I think Miss I mean, Marvel a Sony character in a Marvel. I don't know. I think Miss Marvel that's, will be in Captain Marvel too. I just don't know if she'll be in space fighting the group. I, 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 right, and, that, and I'm not sure. Like to be honest, well. with who, however they create her, I'm not sure she's gonna be ready for that kind of smoke. <laughs> right, like, that's a, gonna be a serious fight. Like I think that the Brood um, obviously is not Secret Invasion, and they did mention how some of the characters from Secret Invasion will play a part in this movie, one of them including uh, being Hulkling. Uh, like, you know, that's a different animal. We're talking about, you know, a teenage girl, you're going to throw her into the fire. That's really throwing her into the fire. She might not be ready for that. I think she'll absolutely we're, make an appearance. We're getting, we're getting Hulkling? Yes. Yes, that was one of the, I know, <laughs> maybe burying the leaf of sham, apparently. But that was also uh, a part of this I heard, was that um, Hulkling would be, he'd be... He's expected to be introduced in Secret Invasion, and that he would then also in, be included in this movie. Man, Feige's just doing whatever he wants, man. He's like, yeah, throwing Hulkling. I'm like, yes, sir. I mean, this yeah, is... Like, yes, sir. <laughs> Jeez. Feige, you know how Feige's running his shit? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Look, man, Hulkling, I'm taking Grandma and Grandpa out to go see Hulkling. The movie? <laughs> <laughs> I look, man. I love Marvel, man. 
I love all these movies, man. I man, who would have thought one day we'd be seeing Hulkling at the movies? I mean, well, yeah, what, no, what, a, what a time, right? to, what a time be to be alive, man! Exactly, what a time to be alive. Yeah, what this a, is what crazy a time stuff. to be alive. I, yeah. I I will I will put it down now. Like Shamari said, mark the date, the trench. I'm going back into my mode. The trench isn't going to be a movie. <laughs> no. Spider Woman will not be in Captain Marvel too. I All feel right. pretty confident on that. One. I'll put my money on that. One. I have a much better chance that Miss Marvel or Shuri or one of the Dora Milaje, <laughs> Okoye, or somebody shows up to Captain than Spider Woman. But I don't know. Maybe I'm not giving themselves enough credit. I just feel like Cap. I just feel like Jessica Drew. Of all the characters, like none of this to me. This is a wacky, crazy story that I'm interested in, but seems like wow, they're gonna really take a lot of leaps. I'll be honest. Of all the characters that were mentioned in being involved in this, Jessica Drew sounded like the one that made the most sense. Yeah, it's gotta make sense. From Jessica the story. Drew has has a long history of being a sword agent. So right. if there's any person, and, and I don't know how many years we've heard rumors of her being either a sword agent or a shield agent, like that's this is not this is not new. This, well, I'll, I'll try. I'll, I'll, I'll I guess I'll temper it a little bit. If Jessica Drew's in the movie, she's not going to be Spider Woman. That's all. There is going to be no spider mention of anything <laughs> of any kind that's not Peter Parker. In that that's movie. another. That's like another story. I can't fight. I don't know. I don't know. You could be. Because I'm just talking that. legally. I, they're not going to put a Sony character. I, I don't. I don't well, no. That. We know Spider Man is going to be in a, a Marvel movie. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't they make cut a deal with whoever's going to be Jessica Drew? I'm just telling you, man. Yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying that. What you're saying it's not going to happen. You said market down. It can't be done. I'm just saying. I, I would. I feel confident. I'm just saying market down is not going to happen. I'll take. I'll take <laughs> that, that bet. Pop- I'll take that bet the other way. I'm going to say that. All right. If yeah. the eight, I'll He's say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hedge a little bit and only saying that if the if there is some female team up in this movie, I'm gonna go ahead and say yeah, Jessica Drew will be involved. All I'll right, t- I'll take that bet. We'll see. We'll see where this ends up years from now when this movie comes out. Right. Maybe right. next year we'll know. Who are you leaning toward? All right, I gotta pick a side now. Whose side are you on? <laughs> you gotta pick a side. Whose side are you on? This ain't civil. This ain't the Civil War. Uh, team Iron Man or Team Cap. <laughs> But yeah, no. Um, I mean, look, I, I don't know. I tend to lean towards just. Um, I don't think. I mean, Sony seems to be very protective of their properties. I mean, I think if they had their way, Spider Man wouldn't be in any of these movies. Um, whether that's wise on their part or not, it, it you know, that seems to be how they feel. So I don't know about I mean, that. I think, Cause I think they've been itching to get Venom some MCU love. I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I mean, think, I think I mean, it would be their dream yeah. if they, if Venom was included in the MCU. I think that I mean, they. Gonna, I think Spider Man. I think what? they're they're being cautious with because <laughs> they know they have the 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 power, but clearly they know there's great value in their connection to the MCU. Nobody really gives a damn about Sony's universe, so I, I disagree. I think that they badly would want to have their characters in the MCU. They just want to get a cut. They just want to get. They just want to get bread out of it. That's the thing. I think they feel like they would have a much easier chance introducing a person like Jessica Drew in a Marvel movie first and then having her do her own stuff in Sony than they would on their own. Like, the Tom Holland stuff did wonders for Sony by having him in Civil War. I, I know we made the case. I think that it's the most iconic moment of that 
uh, decade of superhero movies. Mm. And I don't say that lightly. Him holding that Captain America shield changed the game. And I don't know if we have the X-Men in the MCU today. I don't know if any of that happens if we don't get that deal. So that's how important that was. And Sony knows that. So I think that while, yes, they're protective, I think they're protective just from a legal money-making standpoint. They're not going to get swindled. They're not going to get, you know, just, you know, they're not going to just get themselves railroaded by just letting Marvel do whatever they want with their characters. But that Marvel rub, as we say in wrestling, is 100% what Sony needs, I think, to get some of these characters over. And, you know, they didn't need it with Venom. They got they, their fortune in that regard. But I think that they would feel like they would definitely need it for uh, someone like Spider-Woman. Hmm. I mean, look, I mean, I think that, I mean, they clearly want some some MCU. I mean, we have MCU characters in Morbius now. I mean, they clearly want to be connected to the MCU on some level. Yeah. But I think if, they, I guess what Shamari is saying, or in part at least, is if they had their wish... Their wish would be we can make movies just as good as Marvel on our own level. I mean, if I mean, but, or I'll 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 also qualify by saying this: if Morbius is a huge success, if Venom Two is a huge success, for getting a Morbius Two, a Venom Three, a Craven movie, uh, is, is Spider Verse Two is a huge is a massive success. It. I don't think Spider Woman is going to be in in that movie. Mm. I don't think I feel like that at that point. Sony Sony's already gassed. You know, I think at that point they'll just be like they already feel like Disney's. You know exploiting them <laughs> yeah yeah you know whatever that's how they feel so i think that they're just gonna i think they'll be like ah no thanks and they won't put her let's get to our tv recap guys before we get out of here so let's talk about the flash as i said at the top of the show these were two pretty substantial episodes uh the exorcism of nash wells was the episode from last week two weeks before it was the death of the Speed Force, which included the return of Wally West for a one-episode appearance. I, I, t- I texted you guys both. Um, I really enjoyed both of these episodes. Um, I felt like The Flash, maybe, I don't want to be too too excited, but I feel like they may be catching their footing here. Because I also like the broad episode, so that's three episodes in a row. I thought they did a really solid job. Um, we're we're still kind of slow building towards whatever this big climax at the end will be with Mirror Master, but I think that they're back to really getting me invested and engaged in the week to week episodes that they haven't really gotten me to in a long time. For too often, this show has just been kind of just kind of just a drag where it's like this week new story nothing really moves forward and it was not even if you know you're not going to get the answer resolved to like a big story point like there's a way to still keep me invested and for whatever reason flash had been unable to do that for a while and i think that that's not three weeks in a row where i feel like they've really done it i thought the death of the speed force did a really good job of tying in some of those things that i've seen earlier in the season that i really didn't pay any attention to and tying it to something that uh, that that gave us a good payoff in the end with the death of the Speed Force. Tying what happened with Crisis and what we've seen with Barry kind of having these glitches with his speed and, and giving us a, a realistic um, and believable thing about what, what's wrong with him and, and how they equated it to what happened in Crisis and Barry having to, to kind of go back and forth about him making that decision and what that means for not just him but the other speedster he knows and wally who was obviously very 
frustrated with him. Um, and I thought the second episode, the Exorcism of Nash, again, once again, you know, we're not going to get, we didn't get the answers to what was happening with uh, Mirror Master in some big fight that's going to lead us right to the climax. But inserting Eorothon uh, in a way that was, that felt different than some of the other ways they've inserted him. Um, I, I kind of, in a way, I kind of like this Eorothon not being so, like, uh, mustache twirly. Like, you know, for someone who's so deadly, he sometimes, I think, in order for the show to work, he kind of, and, and really the <coughs> comics to work, he kind of has to be mustache twirly because a guy with his, like, power should just kill anyone at any moment at any time ever. And, the, like, that person needs to take, like, a, a take, like, a solace in being able to, like, torture their, like, victims, like, emotionally and physically and spiritually for them to work. Otherwise, the show, the character would just kill people every day and then the show would be over. So, I, I like kind of like that they kind of got away from that a little bit with him. And I know they were able to do that because it was a one-episode thing. But getting to him, like, yo, man, I just really hate you, Flash, and I'm killing everyone. I'm killing everyone on sight. Like, I had no other ulterior motive, no nothing. It's just, I see these people, they dead. And it kind of did, while we knew it wasn't going to come to that point, it did put somewhat of a urgency behind everything that was happening in that episode. And I thought that for the first time, I, I cared about Nash a little bit. Like, for the like, I, I think he's been the worst Wells by far. I don't think it's even close. Wow. Really? Yeah. I think yeah worse all, than, uh, yeah. what's he even called? Uh, Sherlock? Yeah, yeah, Sherlock. I didn't hate Sherlock. I mean, I didn't. I, I thought I thought that he. I mean, I didn't hate him either. I mean, yeah, I'm he, saying he was so like definitive. Yeah, by yeah. far me, the worst. For me, it's very close between them. I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't love him. I didn't love uh, Sherlock either. But <laughs> this, man, this Nash Wells just didn't really give us anything to me. And then for a while, he wasn't even Nash Wells. He was Spectre. Like I just don't. I like I, I didn't know nothing Pariah, about him. Yeah, Pariah. Oh, yeah. sorry, Pariah. Like we know nothing about him. We know what his deal was. Like he he just like he just. He just was a he just was a guy like you know and we didn't know why he was there like they really haven't done a good job of building his character but giving us some kind of emotional thing to him at least made me care about him a little bit so I again I thought these episodes were really good I'm now invested in the rest of the season which I I can't believe I'm saying after the first half of the season which the whole blood work thing was just so god awful I didn't think that they could recover but. I see, like it seems like after, now that they got away from that, like the Flash has become, dare I say it, fairly interesting again. Look, man, the Flash. These last few episodes were were um, they were very good, with the exception of all the Mirror Master stuff, which I'm very very tired of now, um, and which I believe I said that last time we talked about the Flash, the whole evil Iris, and the woman in the mirror. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you. I think that while and it's funny because I say that while they find their footing, I, I, th- I still think they have a villain problem. Like to me, I didn't get the the turn. Like before, like the iris, the fake iris that was out there seemed to be way more like kind of like their own person. And then like in these episodes, it seemed like they she was just working for Eva, and that just didn't. I never found that relate. That relationship just seemed to change out of nowhere. Like that wasn't the relationship they were establishing in the other episodes. Now maybe. This is them telling, well, this is what's actually been happening. Right, but that's what I'm But even in the interactions we've seen between Iris and Eva, 
before that, even when we knew something was up, like it wasn't like this. Like this seemed like a change. Yeah, I mean, it does. They did. It definitely changed a little bit. Um, but yeah, even so, that I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling this Iris being stuck in the mirror for the whole season, and nobody knows. It's like it's a shoe to drop. It's it literally just the longest wait for this big shoe to drop, and it's like, please, just Joe, realize you not my just to say you're not my daughter, and then whatever happens happens. I'm tired. I'm just tired of every week. You know, but outside of that, I've liked what they've done these past couple of weeks. I mean, Wally did a spectacular job. Uh, shout out to uh, the actor's name, Keenan Lonsdale. Yeah, shout out to Keenan Lonsdale. He did a fantastic job um, in the episode that he was in. And shout uh, out to the writers. We, you know, we all know. We, you know, anybody who follows Keenan, he he definitely has um, grown as a person, just kind of into his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought they did a really, they really did do a good job of kind of blending who he is and what he could bring to the table as himself into the Wally West character without making it feel like this person was unrecognizable. And that's a credit to not only uh, Lonsdale for his ability to perform the role, but also to the writers and everyone involved just kind of bringing back the Wally West character and the iteration that we saw him. It just... It felt believable. It felt like if Wally matured and went away and did something and he came back, this is how he would be based on the Wally that we saw. And it also felt like the actor. It didn't feel like it was such a reach from where who he is as a person and how much he's grown. Yeah, yeah. So I thought he did a, I thought he did a fantastic job. And um, yeah, the whole Eobard Thawne situation in the last episode was also great. I mean, I didn't love the villain. I mean, we had the, uh, what was her name? Shimmer was her name? Well, I forget the... <laughs> Sunshine, I think yeah. was her name. Um, <laughs> Sunshine, and we, had, uh, and we had Turtle 2.0. Yeah, yeah, and Turtle 2.0. That was fine. Yeah. Um, so neither, I didn't care particularly care for either of them. They're very much filler villains. But even with that being said, I thought the episodes were still enjoyable. And like, these are the yeah, that's good. Yeah, the Flash exactly. in the past they've been able to do that. Like they've that's had filler I, yeah, villains exactly. that were whatever, but like exactly. you can still produce yeah. a good episode that makes me somewhat invested. And they were able to do that. Yeah. So hopefully this continues on. Hopefully you find out what's going on with this Mirror Master or Mirror Master uh, woman in the mirror. I don't know what's going on, but hopefully you find out exactly <laughs> what the situation is going forward, and you know we get that line. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think. Solid. Um, I'm probably the least. Uh, I don't say least. I think it's you know. I I guess for me, I'm still tempering my expectations for what the final final uh, result will be. Uh, but I do think these two episodes have been strong. I agree. They, had, they uh, the stuff they did with Wally was interesting. Um. You know, I, do I think he was maybe a little bit into the 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 Speed Force mojo, Speed Force Guru stuff a little bit? And I was like, all right, you know, who is this guy? But I don't watch <laughs> I don't watch Legends, so I don't know how his character is also growing on that show. So that that's for somebody that's you know somebody who watches Legends. If he's totally different on that, you know, saying, maybe those things have been shown on Legends. I just haven't. You're seen. saying the monks taught him how to talk. Yeah, to he's speed talking force. about monks and stuff. I'm like, damn. They, they where, taught him how to talk to the speed force. How, like, wow. How long have I uh, <laughs> been out? That's kind of wild that a monk 
who doesn't have speed force can tell him how to talk to the speed force. <laughs> he told that story. I was like, man, I'm going to spend my disbelief for this, but that seems <laughs> completely unbelievable. Right. But okay. So, um, but I, I still think I agree, though. His character showed a love of maturity. That was cool to see. Um, I think uh, I, I thought some of the Joe West stuff was kind of interesting mm-hmm. that we got uh, him and uh, the other dude. I forgot his name. Same. Captain. Yeah, saying yeah, Captain saying they had some good conversations, but um, but yeah, I think I think it's been good. I, I guess for me, it's just I still am, am a little skeptical on the Mirror Master story where the, it will end up going. It seems to be picking up speed a little bit. Um, also, I thought the Nash Wall story was really good. Yeah, I thought I it went where we thought it would mm-hmm. go. You know, former protege type thing, but. Um, but how about just telling like a great wholesome story about like facing your fears and like and like yeah. owning up to failure and to even tragedy? Like I just thought it was a good story and like the way they visually visualize it for people who have gone through serious trauma, that was just really well done. I mean, again, I, I kind of I don't want to make it sound like oh, but my God, the Flash something good, and I'm not trying to be that guy with the Flash, but they just haven't shown that level of interesting and engaging storytelling in a long time. I was surprised at how well they handled both of these episodes. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, and also, I, I, you know, I thought the story with, you know, Barry was interesting as well. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I thought Barry would maybe, I thought they leaned a little bit also into the Barry, Thawne, Nora stuff a little bit. Rough, like, and look, it, it's classic Barry's classic flash where I thought Barry being a little irrational, you know, his emotions getting the best of him. But I'm like, all right, take a step back a little bit. But it's also that's also easy for me to say, oh my god. I think the, the, the <laughs> I, I, not I, in the I'm moment. usually not the guy to defend the Flash on this show, really. But I need to defend him a little bit because again, I did really enjoy these episodes. We really haven't seen Barry and. Iris really come to grips with losing Nora the way they did for really the entire season. It hasn't been a major talking point. So when I kind of also was taken aback as to why like Dawn kept nudging him with the Nora thing, especially considering usually his line is I killed your mom, you know, which is also very. That's awful. what I thought he was going to say when he said you couldn't save your daughter. I was like. But oh, that's his new that's that. his new trophy to kind of wave in front of Barry's face. And it makes sense. If the last time I saw you, I was the reason your daughter disappeared, that's the thing I'm gonna tell you about. I could I could tell you all the million other things I did that was awful, but like that's the most recent thing. Yeah. We haven't now we've seen like fifteen, sixteen episodes since then that really haven't touched on that. But this is the first time, you know, Dawn is coming face to face with Barry since then. So of course that's the first thing he's gonna bring up. And having Barry, like, have to deal with that in any way was was good, I thought. I thought, like, it showed where his head is at and, and how much that does still bother him and how he had to get over that in order to not only, you know, help Nash, but also ensure that he didn't use up the rest of his speed. And I do think that it also was kind of a nice, neat backdoor way to find a way to, to bring Nora kind of back into the story by having them have to 
look at Nora's notes in order to help create a new speed force. So I like the story just made a lot of sense again. And I, I know that sounds basic, but I'm telling you, the flash has had some issues with some of this basic stuff. And yeah, so I, I like, I don't want to just say, Oh, these are all the credit in the world for doing just like the bare minimum, but this stuff wasn't a given that they were going to be able to handle. And not only did they do that, they execute that executed, but they executed it in a well, in a way that was entertaining, well done and tasteful. So, Credit where credit is due. Again, I enjoyed these episodes. I am now, I kind of, when I saw it today that there wasn't a new episode, I was like, oh, man. I was kind of like, all right, I was ready to, like, watch this new episode to talk about it on this show today. Um, but that that's, I haven't felt that way in a while. Usually with the Flash, it's like, all right, let's see how it goes, you know. And, and I, I, I was, I was uh, surprised. I was uh, pleasantly surprised by what we got. Hopefully, maybe they turned a the corner uh, for this season. But I think... That's going to be a great place to wrap the show this week, guys. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Of course, if you want to listen to all of our shows, you can listen to our, you can check out our podcast network on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on um, YouTube, New Generation Media, where we actually posted a new video uh, today. Uh, it's an NBA video, but we'll be having some superhero comic book stuff up there, uh, hopefully soon enough. Um, be sure to also catch us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, New Generation Pod, on Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and on Facebook, uh, New Generation Media. You can follow Shamari on Snapchat and Instagram, MCSham22. You can find me on uh, Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Shamari, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.